Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pato. Today I'll be doing a review of the latest entry in the Conjuring universe with The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, This is the eighth film in the Conjuring universe and is the third main Conjuring film. Um, And yeah, I was kind of excited to see where this one would go. James Wan wasn't directing anymore, but... It still had the Warrens, which are two likable characters and probably two of the better characters in a mainstream horror franchise at the moment. I do really like Ed and Lorraine Warren. I think uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are really good together. Both actors really, I don't know, they they have really good chemistry with one another and they, they do represent these roles quite well, I guess, being quite familiar with the Warrens and their case files. I, I do like seeing these two characters being brought to life by... Two respectable actors, uh, but two actors that do have that chemistry with one another. So we have that relationship and we understand the characters a little more. And I think because they do have that grounded in reality um, aspect to the film. And I, I, I guess to whether you believe these case files or whatnot, Ed and Lorraine Warren were legit people. And I think their personas that were, um, you know, given across in interviews and uh, various public outings that they had or when they appeared on the news and things like that. They were always really good um, and really respectable the way that they presented themselves. And I guess that adds to the legitimacy of even just their characters. It doesn't necessarily have to be a real story, whether you believe in demons and ghouls or if you don't. Um, the the characters themselves were real people. And I, I respect that. And I also really like the way that Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga really do take that element and bring it to life. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess the Conjuring universe as a whole has been a very, I guess it's been very up and down. It's been inconsistent. I, I like some of the films, the main Conjuring films with one and two being the two best in the series. Uh, Annabelle Creation was quite entertaining as well. And I do have a bit of a soft spot for Annabelle Comes Home. But The Nun, The Curse of Laili Rona, and the first Annabelle movie have really, really left a bad taste in my mouth with this franchise. The last entry we got was The Curse of... Oh, no, I guess actually Annabelle Comes Home came out after that. So we had two films in 2019, The Curse of Laili Rona and uh, um, as well as Annabelle Comes Home. And both of those films, they... They just felt like they were going through the motions. Annabelle Comes Home has some fun aspects to it and there's certain aspects where they don't take themselves overly serious, uh, which is refreshing. And because the franchise has, up until this point, been taking itself incredibly serious, that felt like a breath of fresh air. And I was like, okay, they're sort of aware of what they're doing, so maybe they'll do some things differently. And when the trailer came out for this film, I was like, okay, it sort of had that uh, real-life courtroom drama aspect to it that was presented in the trailer which i enjoy i like the idea of presenting both sides of an argument and letting the audience come up with their own conclusion of what you believe and what you don't believe the exorcism of emily rose directed by scott derrickson does that flawlessly i think that film is really underrated and what it manages to do is it it presents both sides of the argument we have those who believe in the demonic um, and then we have those who don't and it's just split down the middle. And I like that that film shows both aspects to it. We have the prosecution who are, you know, showing the aspects of the, um, you know, whether demons um, actually do exist by presenting a logical argument to counteract what the defense is arguing in that film. And I thought we we're going to get a little of that here. I was a bit disappointed to find out that that's not in this film. 
But at the same point, there are certain aspects of this film that do handle those sorts of situations and uh, I guess presenting logical um, arguments to a very interesting debate, but in a different way. This film leads more on the side of, no, this stuff is real, let's, let's deal with it more so than it does uh, more of a logical explanation. And I guess that's the skeptic in me talking, but that's sort of what I wanted to say. I wanted to say both sides of an argument rather than just the straight and narrow. This film doesn't present both sides, but it still does explore the idea of belief and that sort of thing, which I do like. And these films have done that quite well up until this point. Uh, So ultimately, I was excited to see where this film would take that. I was a little let down, I won't lie, but I think it's better for me to just discuss the film and get into it. So this film review will contain minor spoilers. There's not a lot to really spoil. The trailer does give away a lot, but there's your warning that I will be going into some spoilers. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into this one and let's delve into what The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, is all about and what I like and what I don't like. So without further ado, let's just get stuck into it. Take it away, trailer. Okay there? Jesus. I think I hurt someone. This is Ed Warren, here with Lorraine. All right, let's get started. Residents of Brookfield were shocked this afternoon by the broad daylight murder of Bruno Sauls. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. Whatever is going on, whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. It's a witch's totem. We think your family was cursed. And that connection's still open. interested in reality but I can see things that your people can't (laughs) something terrible happened here Master Satanist is not an adversary to be taken lightly. She's doing it again. She's reaching out to the darkness. Lorraine, you need to come back. Is saving him worth everything you have? Because that's what it may very well cost. So 
So, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, was directed by Michael Chaves, who recently helmed The Curse of La Llorona, and follows the Warrens, who investigate a murder that may be linked to a demonic possession. Uh, film also stars Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, uh, Rory O'Connor, uh, Sarah Catherine Hook, John Noble, um, and Shannon Cook. And yeah, this was a film that I was anticipating, like I mentioned, but... It was a film I was also a little hesitant on just because the Conjuring universe has been so inconsistent. Michael Shays did a relatively good job directing The Curse of La Llorona. The problem with that film is that the narrative is very uninteresting and the film overall is quite dull. There's no real um, visual flair. Uh, here he sort of does improve on that. The film does seem to have a little more going on. I was saying to my mate who I watched this film with that there is a lot of interesting shots. We have a lot of long takes, which seems to be the norm in Hollywood at the moment. Hollywood likes to play with those long takes and the unbroken takes and things like that, which I'm, I'm a fan of. I, I don't mind seeing that. Uh, it just needs to lend itself to something tense, especially in a horror film. I don't see the point of using that if you're not going to use it in a tense setting or for some kind of horrific payoff. Uh, and the film doesn't really do that. It does utilize those sequences quite interestingly but it's still not effective and i think that's where this film falters the most it is just not scary there's a couple of effective jump scares in the film which is the laziest form of any sort of terror in a horror film and i just found it to be really repetitive the same scares are set up each and every time the camera will pan away follow a character he looks through a peephole for instance in one sequence in the film then we see the other vision of the peephole and then we cut to a wide shot and then we do the same thing again, but next time we cut to the wide shot, there's someone standing behind him. It's just the same thing. It was very formulaic, and it really irritated me. And I thought, why or how is this any different to any other horror film that's out there? The Conjuring films up until this point have sort of had some sort of interesting chronology that sort of kept everyone involved. Now, the film still does have that engaging story, and like I said, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are electric on screen. They're fantastic. But take those elements away. We don't have an interesting story at the core, and that's where the film really falters for me. I, I just wanted to see something interesting, something different. We've seen this possession aspect now across eight films, variants in of that structure definitely, but it's still the same sort of thing each and every time. When this film was first announced, they were talking that they were going to do one of the Warren's more bizarre case files of the reports of a werewolf in a town. I think it was in London. And we see a glimpse of that werewolf in Annabelle Comes Home. And the werewolf had a bit of screen time in that film. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, so they might actually be doing that. And up until the film got its title, The Devil Made Me Do It, I was really intrigued because I thought that's the direction they were going. But I think Warner Brothers may have got a little scared because it's against the norm and it's not what I guess they're used to. And Warner Brothers isn't a studio known for taking risks. Now, I'm not attacking Warner Brothers in general because they have produced a lot of films that I adore. And they have taken a few gambles here and there by, I mean, Mad Max Fury Road. They gave that film nearly a $200 million budget. And it wasn't something that I ever thought I would see on the big screen costing that amount of money. But what they haven't done recently is sort of invest in these horror stories to make something a little more interesting. Now, Warner Brothers also produced outside of their Conjuring films Lights Out, which was directed by David F. Sandberg, who went on to direct Annabelle Creation. 
which is one of the better films in the Conjuring universe. And I'll rank my Conjuring universe films at the end of this episode. But what Michael Shaves doesn't have is that he seems to be lending on a lot of what other filmmakers have done better than what he has. Like I said, the the long, wide shots are really good. They're entertaining, but they don't really serve a purpose to the narrative. Like I said, long takes, James Wan uses them effectively in the first two Conjuring films. Uh, I, I kept thinking of the sequences. Both films have a very similar structure, but both films have a point very early on in the film where you know one of the characters is isolated or alone and scary things start to happen to them at night time which is quite terrifying so uh in the conjuring one it's where we have uh the mother in that film where she's walking around um and she's playing um hide and clap with her daughter um and she's home by herself at that point because the dad's out with the kids and she's walking around the house and she's playing, she hears the clapping and she's like, what is that? And she's walking around the house and it's so creepy and it builds this suspense and you're just waiting for something to pay off. And the payoff in that film is literally just seeing a pair of hands clap. And it was so eerie and so unsettling, but it's so memorable. Like I'm reciting that from a film I haven't seen in a couple of years because it is so memorable. And The Conjuring 2 has the similar a similar sequence as well where the little girl, the daughter in that film uh, at night time, I think it's the night before they decide to call the Warrens or get them around to the house. And she's in um, her bedroom and uh, the creature or the uh, demonic entity is playing, um, playing with, the, with the girl with the toys. She's pushing, uh, pushes the toy into the room. Um, then he, uh, she goes out of the room into the little tent and then you hear the scream. It's just really tense and terrifying. And both sequences, I can just remember them quite vividly because they did leave that lasting impression on me after I had seen them in the cinema and uh, I guess on DVD and Blu-ray as well. But what this film lacks is that there's not one single sequence like that in this film uh, outside of your generic jump uh, jump scares. And the film seems to have a bit of an identity crisis as well. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. It flirts with those ideas of presenting that courtroom drama aspect, which is what I mentioned before. And those aspects I really do enjoy. Um, Like I mentioned, The Exorcism of Emily Rose does that really well. And I was hoping for something a little similar. Now, I didn't want something exactly like that because I think the Conjuring films, they they are, you know, endlessly popular. This film opened during a pandemic uh, over in America with like 26 million or something crazy. It sold, sold out in the cinemas here in Bathurst and in Tamworth and regional New South Wales. So I can't even imagine what it was like in cities, even here in Australia. So yeah, that I, I do find that really interesting, um, you know, the, the, the balance between that, because what they're trying to do is they're making it more of a mainstream horror film. So it needs to appeal to those mass audiences. It's not geared towards, you know, the indie horror buffs like myself. And don't get me wrong, I do like mainstream horror films. Like I mentioned, the first two Conjuring films are fantastic and are among some of my favorite modern horror films. And I think they represent modern horror in a very unique and and different way. And I think that's because James Wan, though, is such a, a pioneer in the genre. Like, you have a look at the films that he's directed in the horror genre. Death Silence I could do without because I don't think it's fantastic. But we've got Saw. We've got Insidious. We've got Insidious Chapter 2. We've got The Conjuring 1 and 2. He's a really unique filmmaker, and he's always done such a good job at establishing tone but also having decent characters in that setting as well. So we can really relate to these characters and we can really get on board. 
even thinking back to the Insidious films, like each of those characters I, I can attach myself to because I like them and I, I care what happens to them, where this film outside of Ed and Lorraine Warren, we don't really have that interesting aspect. For one, the main, uh, I guess, uh, character who's being possessed here or saying that he's being possessed, he kills a man and he's saying that the devil made him do it. So we have that idea that's presented and it's set in the trailer where uh, Ed Warren saying every time a witness takes the stand and swears, you know, that they're going to tell the truth, that we're acknowledging the existence of God and it's about time we start acknowledging the existence of the devil as well and that's the the main crux of the story and that's what they're trying to sort of hammer home but we don't really get that. He gets put in prison and then we find out on text at the end of the movie that he spent five years in prison and only got charged with manslaughter whilst the man killed someone. So whether or not you believe that he was actually possessed by the devil or not, the main person we're meant to be behind is still a murderer, regardless of what happens throughout the rest of the film. And I can't really gravitate myself towards a character like that. He's not an innocent you know, a person. He still killed someone. So that really frustrated me as well. Um, because they play it off, and I think from what I read as well, the man was intoxicated at the point of being arrested, and we see that in uh, at this uh, the moment in this film after he has that lapse and he does kill the man. We don't see the murder itself. We just see that shot that's in the trailer of him walking down the road and the police pull him over and he's covered in blood and he's like, I think I hurt someone. Um, that kind of irritated me a little. I, I just wish that... We had someone who we could gravitate towards uh, in the film to sort of connect. Uh, you know, each of the Conjuring films up until this point have had that aspect. Even uh, Curse of La Llorona, uh, Linda Cardellini's character has two kids that are being threatened by this spirit. So we can connect ourselves to her because we feel for her. She's a single mum who lost her husband, who passed away, and she's yeah trying to protect her two children. Even all of the Annabelle movies, even Annabelle, which is my least favourite in the Conjuring universe... Each of those films still have relatable characters we can connect towards. Annabelle Creation does it fantastically. We have uh, two young girls who are orphans, uh, and one of them suffers from um, MND, and um, yeah, she she can't walk properly, um, and it's quite heartbreaking to see her and to think then that she's going through what she's going through in the film. It you know it sort of hits you a bit, and you're like, oh, this really sucks for that person. So. We don't have that here. I don't feel sorry for this guy because at the end of the day, he still killed someone. Um, and, you know, he's claiming that he was uh, possessed by the devil. But, I mean, so did Son of Sam, um, the serial killer. So, you know, like wh where do we draw the line there? And I, I can't relate to him and I don't feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for his girlfriend uh, who ends up becoming the, the wife, but she's not on screen long enough for me to really connect with her. So we've got the Warrens, which are our, our core you know, our, our crux of the film. But, yeah, I don't know. It just really bugged me, that part. And it, it shouldn't have bugged me as much as what it did because I knew that's the story going into it. But I was like, are you serious? Like, where's the connection here? Uh, as far as the actual plot goes, so the, the spirit of the, um, the demon, I suppose, or the entity, um, the idea is that uh, there's this woman, um, I can't remember her name, and her father, who's John Noble, um, essentially she's like, yeah, she's trying to summon an entity. Um, she's leaving these like, um, totems around and that's the totem that ends up being the one that possesses him 
um, in the house. So the idea is to try and I didn't know what her overall aim was, so I can't really comment on that because I found that aspect really confusing. And it wasn't only me. My friend who I watched it with had no idea, and I talked to someone today as well, and he's like, I have no idea. Can you explain it to me? I was like, I actually can't because I don't exactly know what her aim was. I don't know what she was trying to do. Um, but essentially she was trying to raise the devil or, or spirits. Um so she's the main bad guy, I guess. Um, and she has this cool, it reminded me of the Jedi trick that's used in, you know, The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker between Rey um, and Kylo. So we have that sort of thing where they're um, able to see each other uh, through each other's uh, vision, which was interesting. Uh, there's one effective scare as well. It came off kind of, you went in the film and I actually laughed and I probably shouldn't have, but it was quite funny um, with a cadaver in like a morgue. That was interesting. Um, but that, that was about it. There wasn't really that aspect of the film that I could really relate to. I found the scares quite generic. The film plays obvious homages to The Exorcist. Um, there's a shot that's in the trailer as well where the priest that's been in the previous Conjuring films arrives and it's a low-angle shot of him looking up at the house. He's holding a briefcase and he's wearing a hat, exactly like the poster of The Exorcist when he's looking up at the room um, and the light's shining on him. So that was an obvious one. Um... But, yeah, I just found the film to be really, I guess, confused. It just felt like it was suffering an identity crisis and I was watching it on screen. I just found myself really confused at what was going on. I didn't like the main plot. I found it to be generic and it feels at the moment that it's just been there, done that. Like, it's just very repetitive. So I'd like to see something different, but I don't see this franchise taking any of those risks because... We're at a stage now where each of the films is still making a fair bit of money because they don't cost a lot to make. This film was very CGI heavy too, and I don't know if that had anything to do with the, um, you know, during COVID-19 and they couldn't actually shoot on location. But there's two sequences in particular that are very poor um, CGI effects. There's one um, that takes place on a cliff. It's the one we see in the trailer where Lorraine is using her powers to sort of see the events of another murder that's taken place. Uh, and it cuts to daylight and the overexposure of the daylight and the clear break on the CGI um, cliff face that she's standing on. Um, it was really off-putting. And I don't know if it was because they might have been reshoots or something because I think the film was shot in 2019. I could be wrong, but that's what I heard that because I think it was meant to come out last year initially. And, yeah, it just was really off-putting to me. I was like, ah, this looks really bad and it's really obvious. And for a film, even if it has a lower budget, it shouldn't look that bad because the film wasn't that cheap. This is one of Warner Brothers' you know, biggest franchises at the moment, so they're not going to risk poor CGI effects. Uh, and I just found it to be a bit poor. And again, it could be, I mentioned in uh, my Mortal Kombat review as well, because they're doing that Disney Plus thing at the moment where they're putting, not Disney Plus, the well, I guess that streaming thing. But HBO Max are releasing each of their films the same day in the States, uh, on HBO Max as they're released in the cinemas. So what's happening is I, I've seen a bit of a trend with some of these films have unfinished CGI. I haven't yet watched the Angelina Jolie movie, um, Those Who Wish Me Dead, but that film looks the same too where it has really poor CGI. And I don't know if it's because they're trying to save a few bucks by doing that because a lot of more people are going to see it on that smaller scale. Not entirely sure, but it definitely doesn't look fantastic and it's very noticeable in this film in particular, because it's done on overexposed lighting during the daytime. 
which is something that always looks really poor if it's not handled correctly. So it was just something I noticed and I could be nitpicking there. It might not look as bad as what I thought it was because I'm looking for those things when I watch a film, but it was very noticeable for me and I just kept thinking, oh man, like that sort of thing is just very off-putting in these types of films. It shouldn't look like that and it shouldn't be like that. So it was kind of frustrating for me to see that, but at the same time, yeah, I, I, I was at the point of the film where I, I really wasn't having a fantastic time anyway, so I was kind of okay to overlook certain aspects. But in general, I, I just found the film to be uninspired and quite bland. It just didn't have that connection that those first two Conjuring films have had. And even some of the, like like I said, Curse of La Llorona has more of a connection um, and, and connective tissue than what this film does. And I just found myself to be very, yeah, just very disappointed that this is the way we're at in this franchise. By this stage, you need to reinvent and they're not reinventing. They're just giving us the same story again, just with a few new little twists. And I just found myself to be very, yeah, just very irritated. And even the exorcism film uh, scene at the end of the film is, you know, it's the same thing. A, a levitating body with the room pretty much exploding and it just felt uninspired and it was just disappointing because like I said I enjoyed this franchise for the most part and I was excited to see something a little different and I wanted something different but I just didn't get that and I think a lot of audience members are feeling the same I've seen the film go down on IMDb over the course of the last day it was sitting at a 7 it went to a 6.8 before the review was at a 6.6 And now it is at a 6.5, so it's gone down even further, which is pretty interesting. So I think fans are sort of wise to the act now too, and they're probably thinking, you know what, Conjuring franchise, you need to do something different because if you're going to give us the same film, then you're going to see dwindling results, and that's what they're kind of seeing at the moment. I'm going to give The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, a 5 out of 10. I was incredibly disappointed with this one, and I don't see myself revisiting this. And even... The Curse of La Llorona and The Nun and Annabelle Comes Home. Even Annabelle 1, which I really don't like. I've seen that film more than once. I really don't think I would ever watch this movie again, and that's disappointing. Um, I guess, like I said, it really just depends on what you're looking for. If you want the same thing again, then you're going to get the same thing again. It boils down to that. Well, I wanted something a little different. I didn't get anything different. I just got the same film again, just with a few added little tweaks Um, But that brings this review to a close, guys. Like I said, I'm going to break down my ranking of The Conjuring films. So we'll start with number eight. And I've mentioned it during the review, but my least favorite Conjuring film is Annabelle. Uh, This is an uninspired film. It's not very good. It lacks any sort of real tension, and it's quite bad just in general. It's just not an entertaining film, and it's disappointing because I do like some of the elements in this film. There's a great sequence that takes place in a basement, I also think that uh, Annabelle Wallace, who plays the lead in the film, is quite entertaining, but the film itself just feels like something we've seen a billion times before, and I guess because it was released in you know such close proximity to that first Conjuring film, it didn't really have time to breathe, and it felt like we'd just seen Annabelle, which we did the year prior, so it just didn't feel necessary or warranted for this film to exist, but here we are, and it does. Uh, Coming in at number seven, I'm going to put The Curse of La Llorona. When I first saw this film, it was just before I started doing my podcast and I saw it with my mum in the cinemas. And she likes these movies for the most part and she's a big horror buff. um, And she even thought that the film was quite bland. It just 
suffers from what The Conjuring 3 suffers from. It just doesn't have that excitement about it. It just doesn't really have, you know, the, those lasting effects that I was hoping that, you know, this film would have as well. It just doesn't have what I was looking for in a Conjuring film. I wanted something a little different. And because the mythology was so unique and different with, you know, the backdrop of um, Mexico as well, I was like, oh, this could be really cool. But unfortunately, it's just not. And I, I found myself to be really disappointed with this one. Um, coming in at number six, I have The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. And like I said, I just don't feel like I really want to watch this movie again. So for all the reasons that I've talked about for nearly the last half an hour... This film was just an utter disappointment. And outside of the Warrens being entertaining in the film, it just really, it just doesn't resonate with me. I just found it to be really, really underwhelming. Uh, coming in at number five, I have The Nun. Uh, the Nun is an interesting film. It's one that I think is quite well filmed. Uh, it's directed by Corin Hardy, and I think he does a pretty good job with some of the aspects. It has really creepy imagery. The, the nun itself, Valak, is such a scary-looking being, and it's such a creepy design. So I really enjoy that sort of aspect because the creepy imagery is a lot of this film. The setting is different, too, to the other Conjuring films, and the connective tissue, it actually plays a larger part in the Conjuring universe, which I do enjoy. The film itself isn't fantastic. The scares are probably the most formulaic out of any of the films, but the setting itself and having, you know, some of the... The creepy imagery really does elevate the material a little more. The Nun's one I would like to discuss in more detail one day um, on the podcast, but I, I don't hate it as much as what I initially did. I've seen it a couple of times now, and I've grown to like it more. Uh, but it's it's an interesting one because, again, it's sort of inspired by the fact that The Nun was such a popular character in the Conjuring universe uh, that it spawned its own spin-off, and the spin-off did quite well. I think it's, to date, the second most successful Conjuring film, so it is quite a popular one, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Nun too because the film made a lot of money off a very small budget. Uh, so coming in at number five, I have Annabelle Comes Home. Um, this is a film that I found to be... Quite, um, oh, sorry, this is number four. Um, but, but yeah, Annabelle Comes Home. Um, I found this one to be thoroughly entertaining. I've done a review of this one before. I just found the film to really like engage me just because it was quite fun. The film's silly and goofy, but it does, doesn't take itself as seriously as the other films, so it is quite entertaining. I did find myself quite enjoying this one. Uh, coming in at number three, I have Annabelle Creation. Uh, this film is quite good, and I think it's quite underrated. I know there's quite a few people who don't love it, but I find the film to be quite interesting. It's probably one of the better shot films as well. O outside of the two core Conjuring films, I found this one to be really entertaining. David F. Sandberg really understands tension and creating suspense, and he does a really good job. He brings over a lot of the techniques he used in Lights Out and brings them to the Conjuring universe, which is a really interesting perspective to take. I think he does a really good job. Uh, coming in at number two, I have The Conjuring 2. I think The Conjuring 2 is a thoroughly entertaining horror flick. Uh, it possesses a lot of the charm and the tension and craftsmanship as the first Conjuring film. And I just really enjoy the way that the film plays. It's probably one I've watched more so than the first Conjuring film, just because it's a shorter runtime, but it's also just thoroughly entertaining. It's got a lot of great scares. It's got a lot of good character moments too. And it's just something I really enjoy. Coming in at number one, of course, is The Conjuring. I don't think any films come close to beating this one 
Uh, Conjuring 2, maybe on a good day, might beat it for me, but I think The Conjuring is the best film in the franchise. It's the most entertaining. It's the one that started it all, and it's just filled with great, great um, cinematography, great direction, and really good performances too. So that brings this list to a close. So at number eight, we have Annabelle. At number seven, we have The Curse of La Llorona. At number six, we have uh, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Number five is The Nun. Number four is Annabelle Comes Home. Number three, Annabelle Creation. Number two, The Conjuring 2. And number one, The Conjuring. So hopefully one day I'll be able to discuss the other films in the franchise in a little more detail. Maybe even do a podcast on the chronology of the franchise. But at the moment, that is how it stands. So thank you all for listening, guys, to this podcast. I really appreciate your support. Make sure you go on and like my Facebook and follow me on Instagram as well as subscribing to the podcast and rating and reviewing the podcast down below too, guys. Um, And check out my other reviews. Uh, I've done quite a few over the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to keep on top of it and trying to get these new release uh, reviews out to you as well with cinemas opening back up. It's a pretty fun time to be a movie fan again. So, yeah, thank you all again. And until next time, guys, peace out. Oh, 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 oh,